it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yes, Gavin, I am very much aware that the UK has all the streakers these days. And I just want to reiterate, your clothes stay on. Yes. The following podcast contains profanity, food jokes, and tired comedy references. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When your memorable Oscar moment highlight is the slap of bare naked balls against hairy thighs, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 357. Oh yes, they call him the streak edition of the show, where we talk about that time in the 1970s when everybody was running bare-assed in public. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Mods Modesty Mask. When you want to show it all, but not show too much. Everyone loves letting it all hang out, but sometimes you don't want to show everyone your everything. That's why Mods Modesty Mask makes tasteful flesh tone cover-ups for your most personal personals. Coming in a full range of skin tones, Mods provides everything you need to hide those portions of your anatomy that could be considered problematic. Whether you're hitting the nude beach for the first time, easing gently into the nudist lifestyle, or looking to make a political statement on the world's biggest stage, you can cover up your coverables with a Mods Modesty Mask. The fad of streaking has now hit the Northwestern University campus. Late last night, a number of students streaked along Sheridan Road in Evanston. And this afternoon, a student dashed through an English literature class. Well, we were listening to a lecture on Madame Bovary, and all of a sudden, a uh, guy comes in, uh, streaking a cr- right down the aisle, then around up on the stage, dancing around, uh, and then he left, streaking. <laughs> it was really great. I think this is the best thing that's happened to college campuses uh, in the recent future, or in the recent past, thank you. Uh, it really brings everybody together, as you can see right here, and it'll bring everybody together tonight, when I'm sure everybody will take off their clothes and do it again. Well, it's amazing. I haven't seen so many Northwestern students around in about, you know, since I've been here, and all of a sudden you see thousands of students around. It's really exciting. I think it's great. It's, it's a lot better than, than some of the things kids are doing these days. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not uh, destructive in any way. I don't see anything wrong with it, really. I mean, you know. Would you do it? Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> Why do you do this? Um, just wanted to try and see what it's like. I jog at night, and it's a good way to try it. <laughs> That's the news for now. We'll be back again at 10 o'clock tonight. Before we begin, this show was scheduled before what happened at the Oscars happened, and yes, it contains Oscars references. They were not intentional. And that's all I had to say about that. I was never a naked kid. You know the naked kid, the kind of kids that just suddenly appear out of nowhere butt naked in the middle of having your boss over for dinner for the first time? I I really don't get that reference. You probably wouldn't. It was a staple of 60s sitcoms minus the naked kids, of course. But you know what I mean? Some kids just like to take their clothes off and be free. I 
was not one of these children. I was taught at a very early age that the human body was sinful and should never be displayed to anyone outside the bonds of holy matrimony. Which is why the great streaking incident was and is such a family legend. It started with my cousins, of course. Country cousins? Oh, definitely my city cousins would never do that kind of thing. They were way too hoity-toity with their 700-person town that we lived in. Anyway, one summer evening at my granny's house, we kids were off doing whatever it was we kids did, mostly finding new ways to get into shit, when one of my cousins, my older female cousins by the name of Terry Lynn, got to talking about the fad that was all the rage at the time. The streaking craze continues to take the nation by storm. Which soon turned into who was brave enough slash stupid enough to do it. It being streak. That's when the bullying started, and for some reason, I was the target. And it was insinuated that I did not have hair one on my ass if I didn't streak across the side of the mountain directly above my grandparents' porch where all the adults were sitting. They was six years old. I did not, in fact, have any hair on my ass, yet somehow there I was, a naked as a jaybird, running full speed past every adult on the premises as fast as my chubby body was able to go. Really not fast enough. No, no it wasn't. It was hardly scandalous. Indeed, the adults found the entire thing highly amusing. A chubby, shrieking, ginger-haired kid sprinting past them, wailing out his song of pain and misery for all to hear, and then disappearing into the bushes out of sight. The general consensus was, yes. He was naked. And that was pretty funny. (laughs) I didn't even get into trouble. Though it still remains a topic of conversation on the rare occasion I'm around any family member that was present, including my parents. Nothing like being 53 years old and having someone say, Hey, you remember that time when you was six and you run butt naked up the side of the mountain like that? Yeah. Good. Good times. Of course, I was hardly the only one showing everyone my everything back in the 1970s because for a couple of years there, streaking or running nude for a prank or a dare in public was something of a national pastime. That seems strange. Oh, it's totally normal. Considering everything that was going on in the country at the time, I guess it was totally normal. The sexual revolution was over, the war in Vietnam was winding around, and Dick Nixon was in a spot of trouble in the White House, and all of a sudden America's like, well... I might as well take off my clothes and run through a crowd. Sure, sure. Why not? And since this is a history podcast... Go ahead! Just do it! Fine, Jesus. You guys are so tense about stuff like that. The forerunners of streaking might as well be the Neo-Adamites of the late Middle Ages. You see, that was when a group of Christians were all pissed off about the Holy Roman Empire... I'll just go ahead and let you make the joke. Talk amongst yourselves. And they decided to strip down to their altogether and walk through medieval towns proclaiming that the end of days was nigh and monogamy was a sin. I like these guys. Indeed, the Neo-Adamites insisted that the chaste, the virgins, people who did not, as they said, fuck, couldn't even get into heaven. So, you know, tough break there, incels. The Adamites eventually faded away as Europe in the Middle Ages was not, climatologically speaking, conducive to spending a lot of time without your clothes on. The earliest known streak on the dare came in 1799 when a chap was caught with his Twickenberries out in London. In court, he told the judge that he'd taken a bet for 10 guineas, that's about a thousand pounds in today's money, to run naked from Cornhill to Cheapside. 
in these here United States. The earliest known streaker was George William Crump, who just let his freak flag fly through Lexington, Virginia in 1804. That earned Crump a semester suspension from Washington University, but he bounced back fine, going on to be a U.S. congressman who surely didn't run naked through those hallowed halls unless chasing an underage intern around his desk during a coke-fueled orgy. But these streaking renaissance in the United States appeared early in the 1970s on where else but college campuses. Of course it did. Since the late 1960s, casual nudity became less of a thing in America, though it was still considered highly inappropriate by the culture at large. Naturally, college kids began organizing groups of young men, young white men, usually frat bros, into groups of naked dashers across campuses for funsies. According to inacademic.com, quote, the term streaking was coined by a reporter for the local Washington, D.C. news station as he watched a mass nude run take place at the University of Maryland in 1973. That nude run had over 500 participants as the collected mass of news students exited Bel Air dorm. The reporter, whose voice was broadcast live over the station via payphone connection, exclaimed, they are streaking past me right now. It's an incredible sight. The next day, it was out on the Associated Press Wire as streaking and had a nationwide coverage, unquote. Though there had certainly been other streaking incidents prior to this, this was when the phenomena broke into the mainstream consciousness and thus started what rapidly became a fad that has never gone entirely away. It should be noted that streaking is not flashing. Flashing being the old man nude under a trench coat popping it open to shock and embarrass women at the bus stop. That's done for sexual gratification on the part of the flasher. The streaker is in it for the thrill, the fun, for the, or as the kids used to say, the lols. I mean, you could still get arrested for indecent exposure, but the reason for your exposure was actually far less indecent. Going back to our source, quote, Time Magazine in December 1973 called streaking a growing Los Angeles area fad that was catching on among college students and other groups. A letter writer responded, let it be known that streakers have plagued the campus police at Notre Dame for the past decade, pointing out that a group of University of Notre Dame students sponsored a streakers Olympics in 1972. The current record for the largest group streak was established at the University of Georgia with 1,543 simultaneous streakers on March 7th, 1974. The University of Colorado claimed second with 1,200 streakers and the University of Maryland third with 553 naked students streaking three miles in March of 1974. Erskine College claimed that the highest per capita streak when 25% of its 600 students participated in a streaking party in 1974, unquote. It wasn't long before the pastime left academia and Mr. and Mrs. America began doffing their duds for a dong dangling dash through the streets of any town USA. I guess, yeah, poetic. It was poetic. Professor Bill Kirkpatrick. Yes, an actual professor studied this and wrote a paper on it back in the early 2000s. Quote, Although predominantly a college phenomenon, streaking was not limited to campuses, with streaks reported on a Pan Am 747, on Wall Street, and in the state legislatures of Michigan and Hawaii. Johnny Carson's Tonight Show was streaked, though the incident was edited out before broadcast. A so-called reverse streakers ran through a Florida nudist colony fully clothed, and during a Beach Boys concert, two naked men ran across the stage Yet they were later discovered to be none other than two members of the band, Mike Love and Dennis Wilson, unquote. 
Now, you might think the fad caused the collective panties of America to go all a twist. For whatever reason, it was widely seen as a fad on the level of, say, swallowing some goldfish or packing people into telephone booths. Two things which people did on college campuses back in the 1950s that conservatives like to think of as good, clean fun. But if you think it's good, clean fun, ask the goldfish. None other than noted conservative dickbag George Will wrote of the fad as quoted by Kirkpatrick, quote, And who knows? Maybe these bumptious, cheerful streakers will bring us together by bridging the generation gap. They could swallow a fistful of goldfish and then streak into telephone booths. That's just what America needs to become, a land fit for heroes, nostalgia buffs in the buff. That seems unlikely. That's only because streaking didn't seem to have an overtly political motivation behind it. After all, how could a bunch of dickin' balls wildly flapping in the breeze be political? More from Professor Kirkpatrick, quote, Time distinguished streaking from more threatening student activities when it claimed that folks are simply grateful the students are no longer rioting or building bombs. The New York Times wrote that streaking had led to a generally favorable comparison with some more violent campus demonstrations of the 1960s. Even the conservative National Review bent over backwards to legitimate streaking. The spirit of the thing is entirely different from the defiant nudity and, and public sexual intercourse seen in places like Berkeley during the 1960s. That was political and nihilistic motive. The participants going all out for Ho and Mao. The streaker, in contrast, is a humorous, a reliever of tensions, unquote. The whole establishment seemed to view these naked kids dashing about as just being those crazy kids. But they were deeply, deeply wrong about it not being political. Yeah. I'm about to ruin all the fun we've had thinking about young naked boys gallivanting in their nudeness for fun and games by telling you the truth. The most famous streaker of them all was very much streaking for a reason, and it all began on April the 2nd, 1974, at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, Los Angeles, California, when the best and brightest of Hollywood strolled down the red carpet for a night at self-fellatio and conspicuous consumption. Nothing ever changes. The 46th Academy Awards. Host David Niven had just taken the stage to introduce the presenter for Best Picture, Elizabeth Taylor, when this happened. If one reads the newspapers or listens to the news, it is quite obvious that the whole world is having a nervous breakdown. In the motion picture industry, we do not, thank God, contribute to the shambles by manufacturing tanks, flamethrowers, or rockets. We do something to try and help keep people sane. We turn out entertainment. The award for the best picture is never lightly given. And now, to divulge the contents of this year's most important envelope, is a very important contributor to world entertainment and someone quite likely Well, ladies and gentlemen, that, um, 
that was almost bound to happen. <laughs> but isn't it fascinating that... <laughs> fascinating to think that, that probably the only laugh that man will ever get in his life is by stripping off and showing his shortcomings. What you did not see there, because this is an audio medium, was a slim young man wearing a big 70s mustache and absolutely nothing else, jauntily jog behind Niven and right off the stage while flashing the peeve sign. Niven and Taylor were both beset by the giggles, and the moment was up until, very recently, the most memorable Oscar moment of all time. It's almost certain that what happened at the Oscars was not entirely unplanned. Reportedly, the streaker had snuck backstage disguised as a photographer, which even in 1974 was a pretty high hill to climb. One did not get backstage at Dorothy Chandler Pavilion on Oscar night by merely doing what I did for so many years at various New York City events by having a professional looking camera and giving a thumbs up to security and the cops. Looks legit. All right. The website Groovy History, which is rapidly becoming a go-to source for this podcast, said of the adventure, quote, Instead of being arrested, the streaker became a hero of sorts. He was quickly ushered backstage where he was asked to explain his behavior. He actually had a press conference after the streak after leading some to believe that his performance was a stage publicity stunt for the awards production. The streaker simply told reporters, it's one of those one-time things, unquote. On top of that, Robert Meltzer, the business manager of the producers of the Oscar that night, reportedly said that David Niven had asked his wife for a pen so he could jot down the ad-libbed shortcomings remark. On top of that, the framing of the shot of Niven speaking and the streaker was suspiciously circumspect as it showed Niven speaking in just enough of the streaker to let you know that he was indeed all natural, but not enough of him to freak out the nice white ladies of middle America who would be scandalized by his full-bushed 70s manhood in all of his hirsute glory. That naked young man, and that young man was indeed Naked, not naked. Naked. <laughs> N-E-double-K by God I-D. But there's a difference between those two words, really. Naked means you ain't got no clothes on. Naked means you ain't got no clothes on and you up to something. Was named Robert Opal. Robert was a photographer, an activist, and very much involved in the peace movement and the gay rights movement. The one-time speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. You want to run that by me again? Yeah, people can change. The first president I ever voted for was George H.W. Bush. I got better, and so did Robert. According to TheAdvocate.com, quote, after his sharp left turn, Opal became the most well became most well known for his nudism. In addition to the Oscars, Opal had streaked through a Los Angeles City Council meeting, interrupting a debate on outlaw nudity on public beaches, and even ran for president as a nudist. I have nothing to hide, Opal joked of his candidacy on the Mike Douglas show, unquote. Opal, a bisexual, was deeply involved in the gay rights movement, and his photo photography work features striking images of gay life, and his San Francisco art gallery was among the very first to feature the prominent work of queer artists like Robert Maplethorpe to the point where it was considered a sex shop 
by San Francisco Police Department. According to the New York Post, quote, Opal was hardly a one-dimensional participant in the city's art scene. He published a sex magazine called Finger. He staged a play titled The Heartbreak of Psoriasis, starring none other than John Waters' icon Divine. He held a look-alike concept for, to mock Anita Bryant in the wake of the singer's pivot to anti-gay activism. And in his final act of provocation, he performed a mock execution of Harvey Milk's assassin Dan White, for which Opal dressed in leathers as Gay Justice at UN Plaza during Gay Freedom Day Parade on July 24, 1979, reportedly against the warnings of the city's police, unquote. Opal remained active in gay rights all of his sadly short life. Entertainment Weekly sums it up thusly, quote, in 1979, Opal staged his last piece of performance arts the previous November. San Francisco's Mayor George Moscone had been, and City Supervisor Harvey Milk had been assassinated by Dan White. In, White. in May, White was convicted of manslaughter instead of murder, and in protest, Opal dressed in leathers as gay justice and fake executed a friend representing White. Soon after, on the night of July 7th, a pair of burglars burst into Opal's gallery demanding drugs and money. When Opal refused, one fatally shot him, unquote. For years the gay community of San Francisco did not believe that this was just a burglarly gone wrong and felt that this was retribution and an anti-gay statement, though it was never, and that's never been proved. And the two people are still in jail for the murder and they've never spoken out publicly about it either. The streaking fad of the 1970s was like streaking itself, very fleeting. For a couple of years, regular folks would meekly and usually very, very drunk break down to their birthday suits and dash the fastest and often barely witnessed 50-yard sprint their flabby pale bodies could make them do and then chalk the whole entire thing up as the passing moment of new glory in their family annals. By the late 1970s, people were looking back on the whole thing and saying, I was just naked just then and very nude. And largely forgot about the entire thing. But streaking around the world has never really gone away. Throughout the decades since then, there are the rare full montied folk that would dash across soccer fields, tennis courts, and the occasional American football sidelines in their altogethers. As recently as 2021, a streaker blitzed the field during Super Bowl 55 or LV as we are legally required to say it, even though he wasn't nude, he wore a mankini Borat style. Come on, dude, you're gonna spend the night in jail, make it worth your time. And what's worse, these people that are streaking today are usually influencer doing it for the gram or their TikTok feeds. Speaking of TikTok feeds, my TikTok feed, old fat man ruins TikTok, check it out. But these streakers lack the purity and innocence and gentility of the full frontals of the 1970s. So we come back to answer the fundamental question of this episode. Why are you doing this to us? Well, that wasn't the question I was going to answer, but if you want to know, because I need the content. Was streaking in the 70s a political act, which is a question that probably no one ever asked. To answer this question that you did not ask, we turn back to Professor Kirkpatrick, who quotes this in his paper, quote, that's why streakers don't get busted. Streaking's not directed against entrenched power. 
just them kids having a good time. If we had streakers for socialism on Wall Street or asses for ecology streaking General Motors or blacks streaking George Wallace with sex-painted dayglow on their protruding places, there would be a lot of naked people in jail, unquote. Streaking was and generally still is a very white and very male thing. If crowds of naked black folks were spinning around in the 70s, and today, they'd be locked up faster than you could blink twice. If streaking were young women running around all jiggling and giggling, this scandal would be unspeakable, but a bunch of harmless white boys showing what God gave them to all and sundry is just clean, good American fun, I guess. Because in 1989, a group of 10 women were arrested in Buffalo, New York for taking their tops off at a beach as part of a protest that reasonably demonstrated that it was a massive double standard for men to be able to show their nipples in public, but women, they can't. That arrest would result in a New York State Supreme Court decision that said it was legal for women to go topless anywhere that men could. But that has not stopped cops even today from arresting them from doing so. Outside of the protest around the anniversary of the decision, which occur yearly in New York City and around the country, when topless women march to remind people that they can walk around topless, I guess. And yes, I have attended a couple of said protests. How many boobs did you see? Oh, I saw a lot. But I stopped going once I figured out that the whole march in New York City was sponsored by a crazy UFO cult. I won't have anything to do with that kind of nonsense, even if I can see boobs. Beyond the Raelian protest, if a woman goes out on the buff in New York City, chances are she will get arrested for showing a nipple. While a dude can walk down Broadway, dangling his dong, and just be told to put that shit away. Unless, of course, he's visibly aroused which is, it's, it's, it's all just silly because boobs are beautiful and the human penis is many things, but beautiful is not a word that I would use to describe it. Nobody wants to see your dick, dude. America's naked moment of the 1970s was just one more of the many strange things that baby boomers did as the age into their 20s and 30s and arguably the least destructive of them all. Honestly, one of the overarching questions of this podcast is the struggle to understand how a generation of people who went from smoking weed and running around with their cock and balls showing to a coke-snorting, greedy douche who voted for Ronald Reagan. And after seven years, we are no closer to the answer, meaning that we will keep exploring this question, which, if you think about it, is just one more reason that you can hate the boomers. Thanks, assholes. Yeah, yeah right? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is it for our show this week. I want all of you to know that even though this episode was about streaking, I researched it, I wrote it, and I performed it fully clothed. Not streaked since that one day in 1975, though there was this one time I walked around a parking lot chasing after a girl I knew with my pants around my ankles shouting, ho, 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 what do you want for Christmas, little girl? But I was wearing Santa Claus boxer shorts at the time and was also very drunk. Why am I not surprised? 
If you would like to contribute to the fund for keeping Dave's clothes firmly on his body, kick us a buck at patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. It ensures no one sees me naked because no one wants to see me naked. Rate and review this show wherever you get your pods and that helps others find us. Take a listen and wonder why you suggesting listening to a show about a fat kid running naked around a mountain. Do all of the things that Jeremy tells you to do in the closing. Otherwise, he, Danny, and Mike will come to your house and streak through your back backyard. And so for me, Dave, running through the pole beans, through the fruits and vegetables, naked as a jaybird Bledsoe, Hello, producer. No. Do I, do I have to? He's just as proud as he can be of his anatomy. He's going to give us a peek. Gavin and all the fictional streakers on this show, we want to say, don't look at the... But it was too late. She done got a free shot. And we'll see you all next week. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. The short, stocky, bald man is streaking across the field.